Your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Jay Mamie Talk Show. Welcome, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and I'm excited that you are making today your day of Thrive Time. By the way, we're kicking off a brand new year here. So let me wish everyone a healthy, happy, prosperous, breakthrough, and thriving 2022. I'm so happy that you're joining us. This is going to be a fantastic year, guys. So I'm hoping that you are ready for another great year of Thrive-Minded content. And by the way, if you're visiting our show for the very first time today, I want you to know that we honor your investment of time here, and we're going to deliver for you Thrive-Minded content today so that you continue to come back next week and the week after and the rest of 2022. And while you're at it, make sure you tell a friend because we've got great things happening here on the show, and today's no different. We're going to hear today from three outstanding individuals who are doing special things, not only in the marketplace, but for the communities as well. We're going to hear from our author spotlight, Jeff Morris. He'll be discussing his new book, Legion Rising, Surviving Combat and the Scars It Left Behind. And in our spotlight, our business spotlight, We're going to have an informative conversation with three amazing leaders and loan officers from Turbo Loans. They're going to be here giving us all the latest and greatest of what's happening in the lending world. But we're going to kick off our opening show for 2022 with one of the most energetic and and electrifying people that I've met in quite some time. Cleo Green is one of the most recognizable faces, not only here in Dallas, but across broadcast news outlets around the major markets in the country. She's been on major televisions, major outlets across the country. But today, she is the WFAA TV weekend morning anchor right here in Dallas. And she's ready to join us for the kickoff show of 2022. Cleo Green, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, Cleo, you know, we're getting ready to start a brand-new year, 2022. This is the launch of it. I know you've got some things lined up for 2022. Before we dive into the rest of the interview, what's on your mind for you personally for 2022? Oh, my gosh, so much. I think, first of all, I really want to focus on family. Family Mm -hmm. is, like, super important to me right now, especially where I'm at in my career. So definitely some family time. Um, trying to volunteer in my church, and is there another one? Definitely working out. I feel like that's so cliche, right? Like New Year, new me, mm-hmm. let me work out. But oh my God, this past year has just—it's just been a, a little difficult. Like my schedule changed several times, so I'm like, you know what? This, I am not playing around with working out. Well, I'm glad you said that because there's a lot of folks that I'm going to be uh, that I'm sure are looking at 2022 as being uh, nothing else their year to reco- to return back to the gym and kind of get back into yeah. the stadium. Yeah. So That's so I'm going to hold your feet to the fire on that though. I'm going to hold your feet as a formal personal trainer. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. There's quite a lot of people that are going to hold my feet to the fire. So <laughs> I'll add you to the list. All right. Well, listen, I I know you've got a lot to share. We've got a lot to dive into. But before we get into all of that, can you help our listeners get up to speed with with the story of Cleo Green? Oh, my gosh. And we only got a few minutes, huh? I know. Um, (laughs) Give us a trailer version. 
Right? Okay. I think my story starts in South Jersey because that's where I'm from. I'm from Jersey. I'm a first-generation American, which means I'm the first person in my family to be born in the United States of America. Uh, My mom, Mm. she's from Jamaica. My dad is from Guyana, a country in South America. And they immigrated to New York in the 80s. And my father, he ended up joining the Air Force. And that's really how I ended up in Jersey. I grew up on McGuire Air Force Base. Um, and I would honestly say, like many, many people, probably after like 15, 16 years of marriage, you know, my parents ended up getting divorced and I moved to Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Um, some people may be familiar with that right outside of Philly, not too far. Um, and I went to Rowan University. And from there, Jay, I just really catapulted into broadcast journalism and I've never been back home since. Yeah, it's a fantastic story of not only having a chance to, to be here, the first uh, uh, a Caribbean American, but, but taking yes. advantage of the opportunities here that the, the U.S. offers. But what inspired you to pursue a career in broadcast journalism? So funny story, because I really think it all starts with my grandma. My grandma was here visiting, and she's a huge news junkie. So we were watching the news together, and she had just said, you know, in her accent, you know what, we can't see you doing this. And I'm like, doing what? What do you see me doing? And she's like, I can't see you a talk on the news, like one of the anchor ladies <laughs> them. And I'm oh, my gosh, wait a second here. I can see myself doing that, too. And, you know, ever since. Then that was just like my fire. That was just, oh my gosh, the light bulb went off in my head. Like I have something that I want to do when I grow up, right? So in mm-hmm. high school, I was just so blessed to have a high school that had a television station. It was called Lenape District Television Station. And I remember going there and so I am a Cleo Green. I'm in ninth grade. Is there any way that I can help out, do something? And they literally gave me my own cooking show, which was so funny. So I, like, stayed after school a few days and did a cooking show with local chefs in the area. Um, so there was that. And then when I went to Rowan, they had the Rowan Television Network. And once again, right, it's a private school you know, not a lot of people, so you're not a number in the crowd like Syracuse. Nothing to Syracuse. I love Syracuse. I wish I could have gone there. It didn't get accepted. It's okay. Um, so, <laughs> you're over it. You're on, over it. Right? I'm over it. It's okay. I went to Rowan. That was in the cards for me. Um, I had my own little show there. It was called On the Couch, and I would interview people who are doing big things on campus. Um, so that was that was fun. And I interned at E in Philly and then a small station in Atlantic City. And I just I just knew this this was for me. You know, one of the things that I, I often talk to people about is identifying your calling early on. And unfortunately, people can go through life, their entire life, never recognizing their calling. So then they live this life that is passionless, purposeless, because there are there they are what I call a wandering generality. You found right. out early on, right, that you had a calling to be in in broadcast journalism but in a way that, that brought um, your personality to shine. And, and obviously it's worked out because you're, you're you know, one of these uh, renowned individuals who's uh, been in many major markets and, and has impacted the news media wherever you've gone. And, and speaking yeah. about FASTM, yeah. But speaking about what do you find, though, from someone who has had a chance to be in journalism for over a decade and you've been in major markets, you've had a chance to experience um, different areas of the country, what do you find, though, are the challenges today that broadcast journalism is facing, and, and what are the remedies, if there are any, to, to, to handle some of those challenges? Ooh, uh, that is a good question. I feel like the big one for me is probably going to be media distrust. 
because let's be honest, right, the past four years, they've been rather rocky, like when it comes to politics, racial unrest, uh, the pandemic, vaccine rollouts, right? There's just a wave of people right now, of people who just do not trust their local news and the news sources right now. And that honestly concerns me because this is my job, right? So Mm -hmm. I think these keys to try to, I guess, change that is just to continue to report accurate and balanced news. My news director always says, listen, let's not worry about being first to get it on air. Let's worry about being accurate to get it on air. Um, I'm also a part of the equity and diversity team at my station, and we're just always looking at ways to internally talk about, you know, the news that we cover, to talk about things like implicit bias. Um, So media distrust is definitely a big thing for me. And we're in a different day and age right now, right? Like social Mm -hmm. media definitely just taking over things. People are getting their news from the internet. They get, you know, they get headlines that pop up on their iPhones and Androids. Let me not leave out the Android people. Um, They get their, their news headlines before they even have to turn on the news. And there I am, right? Like, I'm desperate for you to turn on the news, and that is not happening that much, right? Like, news stations, they're either closing down, they're trying to refigure things and be innovative to get their audience to stay with them because right now our, the majority of our audience are the baby boomers. And uh, I don't want to say it, but we're going to lose them. We're mm-hmm. going to lose them. So who is going to turn on the 6 o'clock news and continue to watch us if we don't do something new? And, Jay, I need my job. So that is definitely uh, a challenge, and I don't know how we're going to fix that. I mean, our station is trying to be very innovative and, and keep people who are on social media coming to us, but it, it's tricky. You know, one of the things that I know is, is a challenge right now is the fact that on any given day, people can turn on their phone and within minutes catch up on what's happening around the world, shut it down, and get back to their to their routine, right? Uh, exactly. So that it's like a trailer version experience of the news that you're right. It's, it's a challenge that the, the major media is going to have if they don't remedy it in a way that they provide that on-the-spot news via phone or, or uh, you know, or some other uh, medium. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, growing up, I remember, like, my dad would rush home so that, you know, he can watch the 6 o'clock news and eat dinner. But, you know, why do people have to do that now? You can literally Google and get your news headlines, uh, follow several apps, and figure out what's what's happening minute by minute. When we come back after the break, I want to chat with you about your journey in journalism and what's it been like for you, the ups, the downs, because I think a lot of people that may be interested in a career in broadcast journalism – should also get a better understanding from the inside, sort of like inside mm-hmm. locker room talk, what some of those experiences are, and we'll pick that up after the break. Have you ever felt that in trying to grow your business, you've turned yourself into the world's number one pinball, bouncing from thing to thing, trying to score some points without falling down that black hole looming below you? Problem is, reaction mode is not a sustainable business model. It's not a sustainable life model. I'm Aaron Marcus, founder and CEO of Conquer Your Business. If you want to learn how to be in charge so that you can take the actions that get you the results you want, reach out. I'd love to talk with you. Find me on LinkedIn or at conqueryourbusiness.com. Have you gotten behind on your personal or payroll taxes due to COVID-19? I'm Adam Cohen, Tax Resolution Manager at Jack Lauderman CPA. The collection arm of the IRS has resumed enforcement action. You may have received demand letters threatening liens or levies. Our firm specializes in resolving complex tax problems. There are options available. 
Go to txcpaoffice.com and schedule a free, no-obligation consultation. That's txcpaoffice.com. I'm personal injury attorney Shane Mullen with Mullen & Mullen Law Firm. We've been fighting for injured North Texans for almost four decades. Car and big truck accidents, premises, and work injuries, as well as all wrongful death cases. But spoiler, I don't have a clever nickname or a funny TV spot. What we do have, though, is about four decades of experience and results. In 2020, TopVerdict.com recognized our firm for obtaining five of the top 20 largest personal injury settlements in the entire state of Texas. We work for you, and we've never forgotten that. We return phone calls promptly. Clients can even text directly to their own case files and to their dedicated legal teams 24-7. We handle cases the way we'd want our own case handled. We hope you never need to call us. But if you do, our family's trusted, very capable, prepared, and ready to fight for yours. For 39 years, North Texans have trusted Mullen and Mullen. And for 39 years, we've earned their trust. This is our backyard. Call 214-INJURED or find us online at mullenandmullen.com. Call today for a free consultation. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Having a fantastic conversation with Cleo Green about broadcast journalism and not only the the areas where the industry is, is in dire need of improvement, but what can someone do who is looking to break into the industry do? And uh, we can't find a better person to speak about that than Cleo Green, who is, again, one of the most renowned individuals in the broadcasting, in the broadcast journalism world, and one of those familiar faces that has been seen in all the major markets. But, Cleo, let me ask you this. They say that there is always a journey mm-hmm. in journalism. So what has that been like for you and all the journeys similar to anyone pursuing a career in journalism, especially in broadcast journalism? Oh, my gosh, Jay. That's another great question. You are full of them. Um, (laughs) You are because, you know what, everybody, every reporter, every anchor, every photog, every producer, you know, every editor, they have their own story. And it's so funny because when you meet somebody in television, you automatically say, like, you know, where have you been? What what spots have you landed? Because we all want to know, like, what was your journey to get to where you are right now, right? Um, my journey honestly starts uh, as soon as I graduated college. I got graduated from Rowan University in 2008. And if anyone is familiar, that was the year of the economic recession. So no one was hiring. No one was consolidating those student loans. It was a hard time. Um In television, there's 200 markets. So if you're new to TV, uh, let me school you really, really quick. There's 200 television markets in the United States. The top five are New York, L.A., Chicago, Philadelphia, and Dallas. Mm -hmm. And in each market, right, in each market, there's an ABC, an NBC, a CBS, a Fox. And if you're in the bigger markets, there's going to be a Univision as well. And the old adage really is right out of college, you get your first on-air job in a small market, and then you climb the ladder. So you start in a small market, you get your feet wet, you make your mistakes so that you can be a big dog going to a big market. And once you start getting into those bigger markets, there's more people watching, there's more eyes on you, there's more money to be made, and uh, so on. So when I graduated, no one was hiring. Um, so I honestly was like, okay, what am I going to do? I can't work in the mall forever. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Um, so I was like, sure, I'm going to figure out, like, you know, what, what can I do that's still in television to get my feet wet? So I was on TVSpy.com, and I don't even know if this uh, – 
website still exists, but I was on TV Spy, and I saw a job to be a feature reporter in St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands for PBS. Jay, that is market nothing. Like, it doesn't even exist anywhere. It's not, it's not a market. So I'm like, you know what? I'll treat this like my grad school experience and go there. And I sent them my resume tape, and I remember the news director and the executive producer of that station called me. And, of course, you know, from, they're from St. Croix. They have an accent, and they're like, hello, Cleo. Um, we just got your reel, and we think that we are interested in you. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Oh, my God, hire me. <laughs> Hire me. And they did. Um, I didn't even go there for, like, my interview. It was on, on a conference call. And they were like, why do you want to come to the Virgin Islands? I was like, first of all, I really want my first on-air job. My family's from the island, so this won't be that big of a, you know, change in life and, you know what I mean, culture for me. This will be an experience. So I went to St. Croix. I was there for three years. Then I went to uh, Georgia. Then I went to Maryland. And then I went to Minneapolis. And now I'm finally here in Dallas. So it has been quite a journey, and everyone's journey is different. So I imagine that if you're not interested in being persistent and being tenacious and also flexible, then this is not the industry for you. Is that safe to say? I think that's very, very safe to say. You know, um, I mentor a lot of newbie journalists, um, college students who are getting ready to, you know, get in the market and find their first on-air job. And the first thing I tell them is, if you think this job is glamorous and you're going to be on TV, like, oh, my gosh, hell no, do not do this because you won't get paid anything in the beginning and you are going to be slaving away. Like, honestly, it is not it is not a glamorous job at all in the beginning. And I tell them, like, you just got to be willing to be uncomfortable and to mm -hmm. make a move to, to a smaller market if that's what you got to do. Um, you know, I'm still not comfortable. I wake up every morning at one o'clock for my job. Like that is wow. no fun. That is mm -hmm. no fun. There's, there's no holidays and news, right? Like I worked all the way up till Christmas Eve. I thought I wasn't going to have to, but I had to. Um, so it's just, it's a lot of sacrifice. And I, and I gotta say, like, you know, my family's on the East coast. I've missed a lot of Christmases and New Year and all of that with my family because of my job. Part of what we talk about here on the show, Cleo, is exactly what you're highlighting there, is the sense of, of commitment and dedication in order to thrive. What would you say that your experience has taught you about being dedicated, about having a staunch commitment to the task, and, and also in your business, being prepared uh, for success? Mm -hmm. What have you learned about these areas that you can share with my listeners about it? Honestly, I think you, you've got to have, like, a plan, right? Like, I know it sounds cliche to, to make a plan, but this business is very, like, what are my goals? What am I going to do when I get where? You know what I mean? Like, I, I started in the Virgin Islands, and I knew my goal is to make it in a top five market. And, and 12, 13 years later, I am in a top five market, and that's really because I was trying to follow my plan, which is to grow in market sizes and get the titles that I wanted at each station. So I think a plan of where you see yourself now, right? Like, where are you now? And then where do I see myself 10, 12 years from now? And some people are very, very aggressive, and they knock off some years from that plan. But I think starting with that broadcast journalism plan as, as to where you'd like to end up is, is definitely going to help you. And one of the areas that I know that, and you, you've touched on this, one of the areas that I know that people sometimes struggle with is recognizing or identifying what it takes to get to the top. They think they do, 
But along mm-hmm. the way, they miscalculate, and because of that miscalculation, they fall short of the top. In, in your observations and in your experience, you're in a tough industry, and there's very few spots at the top. But what is it that yeah. separates those that make it to the top of that industry from those that fall short? Okay, I think, like, I can't even tell you how many people are probably waiting for Robin Roberts to retire or something like that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> they can get her spot um, because you're right, right? Like, there are limited spots at the top, and this is such a cutthroat industry. It really, really is. Um, I had one of my mentees call me the other day, and she was literally in tears, and I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, Cleo, you know, I see everybody – getting new jobs in markets that I want to be in. And I just feel like, when's my moment? Like, when is this going to happen for me? And I had to remind her, like, everyone's journey is different. Like, what you think is for you, it may not be, right? Like, our contract, and I'm not sure if, you know, for people that are new to television or just getting just getting their feet into it, we work on contracts, um, which is another scary little thing because, like, like for instance, right now I'm, I'm working at WFAA in Dallas, and every year I sign a two-year contract. So, you know, it's scary to think, but after my two years, my news director could honestly sit me in her room and say, in her office, and say, hey, we love you here. It's been great, but we're not going to renew your contract. Like, that is the reality of this business. So at that point, I would have to go and find a new station that wants me. So it's a little scary to think about that. So you got to be thinking about, well, how can I, you know, continue to impress my bosses, sad to say, to want them to want me to be here. So when you see some anchors and reporters that have been at stations for years and decades, like, you know, that station wants them. They've re-signed that contract over and over again. Um, so if you're in college, I would say intern, 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 because most, if not all, news stations, they will only take you if you are an intern, if you are a college student. And, you know, it's kind of sad because I do run into people, some of my mentees, who are four years out of college, and they're like, you know what, Cleo, I think I want to take advantage of my broadcast journalism degree. And I'm like, ugh, like you can't even, you know, you won't be in a position to to intern at like an NBC or ABC right now because you're not in college. So then you're kind of on your own to create this resume reel to get noticed by your news director, which brings me to the resume reel. You know, it's really a montage of stand-ups and stories of you that's meant to impress whatever news director is watching. Like, that is the catalyst to get into the door in broadcast journalism is that resume reel, showing us Mm. what you got. Cleo, in our last minute here, is Mm -hmm. there a story that you've covered or, or reported on that has inspired you still to this day? Oof. You know, (laughs) I feel like I get asked this question so many times, and I never have a good answer to it. (laughs) Because I think right now, if we're talking about a story of inspiration, I think Mm -hmm. it it just goes back to me as a story that maybe I'll never forget. And that's going to be covering uh, the Chauvin trial and the verdict for that. Um, I worked in Minnesota and Minneapolis, the Twin Cities, for about three and a half years. And, you know, when that verdict came out, um, I was working in Dallas at the time. So my news director, my assistant news director, they sent me out to Minneapolis to cover it. And it was just a crazy time for me because 
I had my own uh, personal feelings about the Derek Chauvin case, but as a journalist, I had to be fair. I had to be mm-hmm. balanced. Um, mm-hmm. So when that verdict was read, uh, guilty, 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 like it gave me a sigh of relief and just covering like the emotion in the streets because I'll be honest, like every news station in the nation was expecting like hell to, to break loose if it right. wasn't right. Um, a right. guilty verdict, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, they had me equipped with, like, bulletproof vests, like, all of that covering, possibly covering uh, this story. And it was just amazing to see just uh, so many people, you know, emotional and crying. And just, it was a sigh of relief for me. That was like a story of inspiration, um, just covering, covering that trial from beginning to end. And that's something I'll never forget in my career because it was, it was a, period in America that I don't think any of us will forget. You know, I think a sigh of relief was heard around the country. Yeah. Um, but I think also, yeah, I think there was also a sense of, of justice, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, so we appreciate you, Cleo, being on the show today. We could talk for hours uh, yeah, about I what I you do. I mean, sometimes do that. So sorry in advance. No, no, listen, don't worry about that. We enjoyed having you on the show. We're going to have you back again. This is the beginning of the year, so we're going to have you come back before the series out and continue to share any experiences that may have come across this next 12 months because you never know. Life always brings all sorts of challenges and all sorts of surprises. Right. Yeah, and we'll have you coming back. So appreciate you being on the show, Cleo. Thank you, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Folks, we're going to be right back after the break. Hey everyone, this is Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I want you to know that my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course from Novice to Ninja, now is available. If you are an entrepreneur, a business owner, or have a sales-oriented career, and if your skill sets need improvement, if you are struggling with the areas that matter most, how to convert someone from a prospect to a customer or a client, then your sales skills need to be improved. Go visit thrivesalesmastery.com and learn more about this fantastic course. Hey everyone, this is Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I just want you to know that my book, my 10th book, is finally available, Thrivology action-stoking and thought-provoking quotes and phrases is now available for your purchasing pleasure. This book has already making tidal waves among those who appreciate content that is driven to give you a thrive-minded mentality and also reminders throughout the course of the week of the things you need to do to thrive. Guys, you can pick up my book, Thrivology, at thejmaney.com. If you're like most people, you're probably more than a little concerned about the state of the world around us today. Strange times. The stock market all-time highs every day. U.S. debt never been higher right now. Dollars losing value. And let's not forget about inflation, the highest since 2008. Remember what happened in 2008. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, many people, just like you, are turning to Old Faithful to protect themselves during these difficult times. And Old Faithful is real gold and silver from the Oxford Gold Group, the kind you can actually hold in your hands and have in your IRA. No better time than the present to protect your future and the future of your family. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now, 833-928-GOLD. They will send you their free guide on investing in gold and silver and answer all of your questions. Protect your money before things get even worse out there. Call the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-928-GOLD. Oxford is here to help you protect your savings and retirement. That's 833-928-GOLD. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie 
We're about to have a fantastic conversation with our author spotlight. Many of you know that I'm I'm get so I get so excited about introducing authors who have great books to offer uh, the not only the, the the community but the world because their message is so powerful that it has the potential to impact and inspire the lives of many. And our author spotlight today is no different. Jeff Morris has written a fantastic book called Legion Rising: Surviving Combat and the Scars It Left behind and we're thankful that he's joining us on the show today jeff welcome to the jay mamie talk show jay i'm doing great thanks for having me on really excited about this i appreciate it brother i appreciate you being on the show and before we dive into all of the goodness that your book is about can you share a little bit about your story with our listening audience yeah kind of sum it up uh son husband father grew up in Destin, florida and just always had this burning desire to serve in the military life uh, initially had different plans wasn't able to get in right out of college uh, and then after 9-11, just felt compelled to try one more time. And so I went into the Army as an infantry officer, whirlwind, six and a half years, uh, all my training, two deployments to Baghdad, Iraq in 2004 to mid-2005, and then as part of the surge in 2006 to early 2008. Yeah, then left active duty and a couple of, couple of tough years mm-hmm. uh, personally after those times and, you know, kind of able to get myself back together and, you know, always say I'm spectacularly average guy, but I am incredibly passionate about using my experiences to you know, help make a positive impact in the life of others. Well, that's what you're doing with this book. And by the way, we appreciate your service uh, to uh, to our country. But what inspired you to take the time to write a book, which, as you know, a guy who runs, who has a family, who has a career, uh, it's not the easiest thing to do. So something inspired you to write this book. What was that? You know, Jay, it was, gosh, a lot of things, but I would say the two things that really jumped out is, you know, one is the, the promise kept that uh, myself mm-hmm. and my other men that we made to the families of the men that we lost that second deployment. Mm-hmm. You know, all the families who the same thing, that they just, they don't want their boy. And in my case, it was, it was men only, but they all said, you know, I don't want my boy's name to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of ways to do that, but I just felt the book was, was one, day, one way to do that. And, and two, I think, you know, while the book is about me, I think it's, representative of the two groups of men over my two deployments, uh, but also not just those two groups of men, but kind of the conventional soldier as a, as a whole. There's tons of great books out there about SEALs and Delta Force guys and Green Berets, and, and they're all great. I, I'm in no way knocking those, but you don't see as many about the conventional soldier and, you know, the, the toll that combat takes on takes on us, and they always say that there's a whole lot more of us than there are the specialized guys. So I wanted to, to get something out there that really kind of let people into the mindset of uh, the conventional soldier. You know, one of the things you mentioned is, is so honorable that this is a promise kept. So what what inspired you first and foremost, apart from everything else that, that did as well, is you're keeping a promise to those that were left behind, right, uh, who were uh, you know, killed in action um, and, uh, and, and honoring uh, their families as, as well. So that's what makes this book so very special. But your burning desire to protect and to defend, I know it started at an early age. I was reading that in your book. Uh, I'd like for you to share why that desire to protect and defend started so early that is still with you today. You know, I think, uh, and you probably pick up on it in the book, I grew up, you know, people here in Destin, Florida, little beach town, and just had this image of, you know, rich kid on a boat. And you know, it, was, it was far from that, kind of grew up in maybe the less ideal circumstances. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, at, at an early age, and, you know, without getting into all the details, you can kind of read into it what you want. I, I, saw, I saw what a bully was capable of doing to someone and someone very special to me. And 
I just hated that. And so at an early age, I just had this desire to kind of stand up for those that couldn't stand up for themselves. And, you know, it just it stayed with me throughout my life. But I definitely think it was those early circumstances as a, as a young child, seeing things that no young child wants to see with other members of the family. Mm-hmm. There's always a reason why people do things. Uh, and if you trace it back, oftentimes it does find itself in the root of, of early age and the root of childhood uh, because it's it's obvious that a desire to put your life on the line in protection of others comes from somewhere. And I do encourage folks to read the book because you, you dive that uh, you dive into that in the book. But you speak about scars in the book. What have been the deepest emotional scars that have left a mark uh, on you? And have those scars and any others, any other scars apart from emotional scars, uh, have any of the other scars affected you? Uh, and the way that you live, the way that you work, the way that you raise a family now? Yeah, you know, in the, the scar, I mean, uh, you've read the, the prologue of the book, the incident mm-hmm. with me in the mirror. And, you know, I think the scar was just kind of symbolic of, of trauma and, and tragedy as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, it was, you know, during those, those tough years, you know, both while I was deployed, but especially when I got back, uh, it was just this idea that, you know, we do it to ourselves. It's almost like we paint ourselves with a scarlet letter that, you know, man, people are going to find out about these things that I've seen and done and been a part of, and they're going to treat me differently. And so like a lot of veterans and non-veterans who have, who have been through significant trauma in their life, we tend to keep all that bottled up. And the more we keep it bottled up, just the more it burns inside of us. And so, you know, I always say those, those five years, uh, you know, I always call it the dark period. It wasn't drugs or alcohol, but it just, I, I wasn't anywhere capable of being man, you know, and father to my 15 year old. Well, I wasn't a bad father. I wasn't the best father I could be to him. And those mm-hmm. are five years that I'll never get back. And so as I kind of you know, got what I call a, a, a re, an awakening uh, after that five-year period. I think you, you talk about, you know, how I parent and how I live now. Uh, I think now, having seen the damage, you know, the self-destructive behavior that I was, you know, that I was doing during that five-year period, you know, by keeping things bottled up, now I'm the exact opposite. And I'm, I'm incredibly open and incredibly transparent about my experiences. I always say the, the next time I give a talk or speech and, and don't cry will be the first time, you know, and I, and I really try to impart that, you know, both in my family life and, you know, I'm remarried now. I have two more young children, support total, and, uh, you know, with, with my friends, with my family, just encourage everyone to not always happy with the things that happen to us in life, uh, but accept those things because they're forever a part of who we are. The more we try to fight them, like I said before, the greater hold they're going to have over us. Mm-hmm. That's some powerful words, brother. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, most folks are never going to understand what you uh, and your brothers and sisters go through when you were in the heat of, of uh, combative operations. Um, that's why your book is going to be so impacting to others. It'll give them a glimpse as to not the glory behind it, but all, but more importantly, what the aftermath is. But most people never going to experience, as I mentioned, the height really of combat operations. Uh, and how instantaneously you can lose your bearings. You wrote about that in your book, in your first encounter. But as an individual, what disciplines do you have to practice in life when the crap hits the fan that are similar to your combat training and also as a leader, because you speak about leadership, what are the tactics to keep your team focused and tight under situations that can be very stressful and chaotic at times? Yeah, definitely. And kind of to your point about... You know, a lot of people haven't experienced the things that I have, and, and you know, there's you know, definitely true, uh, but I always say it's about perspective. <clears throat> you know, we all have our own perspective in life, and that perspective is shaped off our own life experiences, and none are better or worse. They're just different, and so while while mine may be combat-related, there's others who have 
you know, their perspective is it's very heightened in the world that they live in. So right. I think that the key in doing that and, and what I learned over time is that, you know, a couple of things is sometimes it's okay. We always get this idea. You know, we talk about leadership in a, in a pandemic or leadership in a crisis or you know, any kind of hectic situation, but leadership is leadership. Mm-hmm. And I think what, you know, situations like maybe the last couple of years is not so much that people are leading different. It's that it's exposed those others that maybe weren't quite the leader that, that others thought they were. And I think one of the key things that I found in, in great leaders in my experiences, you know, these are just mine, is, you know, the, the ability to sometimes just stop and, you know, take a tactical pause, a little tactical patience. Mm. As leaders, we feel like we have to be the first person to speak. You have to react all the time. And, and oftentimes it's okay just to kind of stop, assess the situation, evaluate, you know, what the next best course of action should be, and then go execute. Uh, and I think the same principles apply in business. Uh, and also understand that everybody has a voice. You know, while I may have been the leader on the ground over there, I was surrounded by you know, many men who had, you know, as much, if not more combat experience than me. And it's the same, the same thing holds true in business. You know, so just understand that uh, ultimately there's got to be a decision maker and the buck stops here. But, you know, at the same time, it's it's okay for everyone to have a voice because oftentimes that voice may have a better rationale and reason than what you're thinking at the time. Yeah, I love what you said, tactical pause. Take a tactical pause. If there's one nugget from this interview, if nothing else, that is the nugget. Take a tactical pause before you take any action when when the heat, uh, when when you feel the heat. Beautifully said, brother. I appreciate it. What would you say, though, are the three main points in our last two minutes here that you want your reader to walk away with after reading your book? You know, I've kind of touched on a few of them. Uh, while it's while it's my story, uh, I want the story to be representative of not just myself, but the men that I served with. But you know, like I mentioned before, the, the everyday conventional army soldier, marine. You know, uh, two. I I want it to be you know, and especially. As men, sometimes we think that, you know, we have to be tough and keep things bottled up. And, and I tried to be very vulnerable in the book and try to open up. And people sometimes perceive us military guys and first responders as tough, you know, bad A's, whatever it may be. And, mm-hmm. you know, just to, to see someone just truly open up, uh, I kind of want to help inspire others to do the same. And, and the third, it comes back to that promise kept. Uh, I want people to read this. And if they read it, they pass it on to someone else or share it to someone else. And that is just someone else along the line that is going to know the name of the eight men that I lost during that second deployment. So who would you say in our last minute here would benefit from reading your book? You know, the easy answer is to say everyone, but right. I really think, uh, <laughs> right. you know, but I really think it's, you know, I kind of just touched on it. Uh, I, I think as men, uh, we think that we have to keep our emotions bottled up inside and mm-hmm. always seem in control and not be vulnerable. Uh, and whether it's veterans, whether it's non-veterans, uh, I think the message behind the book, I always say it's, it's not just a military memoir, it's a memoir of life. And uh, so I think that there are a lot of men who are going through, everybody goes through tough times in life. You know, we're all veterans of life. And then instead of keeping those things bottled up, I want them to read this and see that, you know what, if he can do it, so can I. And Jeff, where could people find out more about you and find out more about your book, Legion Rising? Yeah, the best place uh, to find me is on Instagram. Uh, I do most of the stuff, you know, book-related there, kind of keep Facebook for the family. But on Instagram, it's uh, Jeff R. Morris, uh, pretty simple, Jeff R. Morris. And, uh, you know, the book, you can find the book on, on all the all the retailers out there, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target. Uh, I think Amazon's the cheapest, but uh, those are the best places to find me. So looking forward to interacting with your audience. Well, Jeff, we're going to have your book up at our website. Anyhow, Legion Rising, it's a great read. I encourage everyone to go out and read it. Jeff Morris, appreciate being on the show, brother. No, thank you, Jay, so much. I appreciate it and uh, appreciate all the great work that you're doing down there. Thank you. Folks, we're going to be right back after the break. 
Not everyone has pulled shards of another man's skull from the palm of their hand. Not everyone has stood over the bodies of friends whose lives were lost in an instant. Not everyone has struggled to face their own reflection for years on end. But anyone who has experienced trauma or adversity will resonate with Legion Rising. This is not simply a military memoir, it's a memoir of life, of tragedy, healing, and leadership. Through the heart-pounding stories of combat to the transparent and personal look into the process of healing, a message emerges, one that will inspire people across all walks of life. Legion Rising, Surviving Combat, The Scars It Left Behind can be found on Amazon.com. I believe that fear is the number one killer of success and personal achievement and is running rampant in our society today, which is paralyzing people from becoming everything that God created them to be. My name is Rich Cavanis. What I do is help people like you to rise above mediocrity, unlock your God-given power, and elevate your everyday living through a unique coaching process that links the Bible, science, psychology, and personal development together so you can become everything that God created you to be. Get my new book for free at powertothrive.net. Do you really want to go through another year with that awful joint pain? Don't do it. Resolve right now to get yourself moving again for 2022. Hey, it's Ernie Brown. It's time to call QC Kinetics, non-surgical regenerative treatments for joint pain. We're talking lasting results using natural biologics. No surgery, no pain meds, no steroids, and no downtime. This really is exciting stuff. Regenerative, restorative treatments that actually encourage your body to heal itself using highly concentrated natural biologics. Patients rave about it for hip pain relief, knee pain relief, shoulder and back pain relief. Don't let them keep giving you steroids and don't let them tell you surgery is your only option. Get a free second opinion at QC Kinetics. Do it now and imagine life in 2022 without pain. Call the local medical professionals at QC Kinetics with locations in Dallas, Fort Worth, and Plano. 972-972-8610. 972-972-8610. That's 972-972-8610. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I'm excited about our business spotlight today. It couldn't come at a better time having a chance to hear from from Jeff Morris, uh, our previous author spotlight. But in the studio today, I'm excited to to have these guys share their story, who I met recently, had a chance to check them out. Great guys doing great work. And I only bring on the radio show, guys, business spotlights that I believe are doing good things for people. And Turbo Loans is doing exactly that, not only on the commercial side, but also on the residential side. And in the studio today, we've got the mortgage, uh, we've got the broker owner, Jason Boley. And a couple of his uh, colleagues here. We've got Antonio Gutierrez, and we have Brad Owsley here to share the story of Turbo Loans. So, welcome to the station, guys. Hi. How are you? All right. So, I- I'm interested first in knowing the story behind Turbo Loans, and and I think that Jason, you'd be the perfect guy to answer that. So, what's the story behind Turbo Loans? Yeah, Jay. Thank you. Uh, thank you for asking. So, Turbo Loans was a was a company that was you know literally born in uh, in a dream. Uh, that I had in the nighttime and um, and has begun to evolve over the last couple of years, even down to the name Turbo Loans was something that came to me in the night as I was, you know, dreaming, not expecting, you know, something special to come. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Turbo Loans was something that uh, that I had in my heart and that is now kind of come into fruition uh, in the in the real uh, here and now. And, um, you know, it's something that we've had to, you know, put into practice on on the one, two, threes, but as far as a vision, as far as a concept, you know, turbo loans was something that, you know, really, I would say supernaturally came to me. Wow. You know, that's a good thing you'd have a nap because you might've had some other business in mind. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you do prior to 
uh, to having this dream to to really start this fantastic company? You know, my my background in business is really all mortgage centric. So I worked for you know the big countrywide. You know, mm-hmm. everyone knows Angelo mm-hmm. Mazzillo and Countrywide. Sure. Uh, built a great career there. Uh, when everything collapsed in 2008, mm-hmm. um, you know, I didn't. I, a couple of friends of mine, we started a business and uh, started helping people that were needing uh, loan modifications. So I went into the rescue rescue mortgage business mm-hmm. and uh, and waited for the next step. And the next step was eventually turbo loans. I remember 2008. I remember 2007, 2000. I remember the whole deal. You know, coming from a background of financial services, I remember uh, that whole uh, that, that whole mortgage debacle back then. And I remember mm-hmm. Countrywide, too. Now, Antonio, talk a little bit about you. What's your background real quick? And, and then, Brad, I want you to share a little bit about your story as well before we dive into the rest of it. So, yes. Hi, Jay. So uh, my background is really uh, pretty much uh, banking. I had the opportunity to work for one of the largest banks in, in the U.S. I worked for Citibank for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. So that actually gave, gave me the uh, opportunity to, to learn knowledge. And, uh, and then after that, I decided to branch off and start my, my own business as well. Uh, and through a very good opportunity, I found uh, Jason when he uh, was working on building. And uh, I was able to hook up with him. And uh, we had a great time so far. I mean, I think this company is, 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 is really good. And your customers will find uh, that it's a, it's a very good uh, experience when do when they do loans with us. So yeah, excellent. And Brad, yeah. So I was always in the service and sales industry. I bought my first house back in 2015, and through that process, working with a broker, I wasn't recommended anybody. Just kind of found somebody, and that experience wasn't uh, great. I had to ask too many questions, and I felt like I was taken advantage of. So through that, mm-hmm. I started digging into the industry, and I wanted to make a switch. I had a colleague that introduced me to Jason, and came on board and it's been smooth sailing since. Wonderful. Well, you guys certainly clicked together. Having a chance to see all three of you guys in studio here, there's there's certainly a lot of camaraderie here. And that's important when you're in business that you can have a good relationship with those that, that are, are helping you build your company. But I, I wanted to ask you, uh, Jason, what separates Turbo Loans from other mortgage companies? No shortage of mortgage companies out there, right? But what separates you guys from the rest? You know, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, you know, we can all tout, you know, service and rates and that sort of thing. But, you know, really what Turbo Loans, uh, what I've seen month in and month out, uh, the Turbo Loans loan officers are always available. And that in, in this industry, you know, when people want to start and stop and work less and make more, really what I've seen is we, we've built a, an ecosystem where our loan officers are available. So, you know, during the day, during the night, uh, through email, through text, we have set up a support system for the loan officers so that they don't have to do as much of the heavy lifting on paperwork, on um, you know structuring files, on dealing with underwriting. We want them to be available uh, to do sales and to do sales support and to do relationship support. So I would say the the ecosystem that we've created through their support system in processing um, and loan officer assistance and technology, that ecosystem has made our loan officers available. And I would say that's the number one thing that mm-hmm. – 
that sets us apart from other people. You know, availability is one of those things that customers and clients are always uh, looking for. Um, how, how accessible is the person who's helping me when I have a question? That's one of the biggest beasts, one of the biggest gripes I know that I've heard of when I've reached out to my own clients, that uh, if you're not going to be available when I need you, then I can go somewhere else. And availability is huge. So I appreciate you sharing that. But Antonio, I want to ask you a question about refinancing and purchasing. Right now, we, we know that the current mortgage climate changes all the time, right? So what should those that are looking to buy a refi know about the current mortgage climate? So that's a very interesting uh, question, Jay. Uh, so the biggest thing they need to know is that prices will continue to go up. Uh, people sometimes say, well, what if I wait three months and see if the house prices go down? Well, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Right. Uh, what if the rates go down? Well, you can't find any lower rates than today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's expected uh, probably during the next year that the, the rates will go up. Mm-hmm. Uh, prices will go up. You know, rates will go up. So the best time for you to do something is when? Today, right? Exactly. So uh, that's that's one of the biggest things. Uh, you know, the, the mortgage industry has changed so much. The good thing for us is that uh, the... Um, the good thing for us is that uh, the the guidelines some kind uh, they, they have been more flexible lately. Mm-hmm. So the the the, the federal government ha- is allowing a little bit more flexibility to allow people to actually get into houses. So, but I think uh, uh, we'll benefit to hear a little bit more from Jason on this part. I think he got a good comment on what his thought is about rates and and the market changing. Let's hear it. Yeah, I th- thank you, Antonio. I, I think that you know, we've heard from the Fed, you know, what's going to happen. You know, their plans are, you know, next year, 2022, they want to raise rates, you know, three times. You don't need to be immediately alarmed on that and think that in January the rates are going to be 6% or 5%. You know, they're they're very antiquated about the way they do this. They have a meeting once a quarter. Uh, they tend to raise the rates when they're in a rate uh, hiking environment mm-hmm. about a quarter percent every quarter. So by the end of 2022, uh, if they stay true to that, you should see instead of being able to get interest rates at 2.9, maybe at 3.9. Uh, so still on the affordability spectrum, you're still going to have affordable homes. What Antonio was saying was, you know, the the value of the home is going to continue to go up. And if the rate is going up, that home that you were able to buy at the beginning of 2022 is just going to cost a little bit more at the end of 2022. That's good to know because people that are planning on buying eight months, 10 months from now, they need to plan and prepare for that Absolutely. with their finances. Brad, I wanted to ask you a question about, though, you know, the, we know that uh, for a period of time, lending guidelines became very restricted for obvious reasons. They tightened up. Um, but it seems like recently they are loosening up a little bit. Is that the case? And why do you think that's happening? And is that going to continue to occur? Yeah, I think um with the uh, changes in the refinance, um, you know, taking away the, um, you know, the 50 basis point penalty on the refi when the market was booming. Uh, with the housing shortage, uh, I think they want to give time for the houses to get caught up for people to be able to buy and get mm-hmm. affordable houses. And I think with us, the great relationships we have with wholesale lenders, we always give the client options. We can tell them, you know, what is par? What is, uh, what is the discount if you want to buy it down? If you want a credit, we can give you that rate as well. So we always give them options. That's important for people to have options, especially these days, because it, it is a moving target. But where do you find that people, and Brad, I want you to continue to answer this. Where do you find that people drop the ball in preparing for a loan uh, when it affects their ability to close? Where do they drop the ball? 
Um, what I've seen, I wouldn't say it's so much with the client dropping the ball every time. Um, I would say you have to have a good loan officer to set the proper expectations up front, um, let you know the importance of the documents that we'll need, the timing that we'll need, because that will change whether you'll be able to close on time or not. There's a lot of variables outside of what we can control, appraisals, uh, timing, and, and title, and stuff like that. But I think walking them through the process, being there for them pretty much 24-7, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a win-win. Now, we know there's a lot of new construction happening here in Texas, right? I mean, you can just drive anywhere, you see the cranes. With new construction, uh, Jason, what changes can affect the buyer from being able to close once the builder is ready to close? And what should the buyer be doing or, or, or also not doing if they start to finish the process? Uh, well, what, but rather, before they finish the process, because if it's going to be a, nine, a 10, 14-month process, as that's usually the case now, they can get approved on the front end but then lose the deal on the back end. What should they be doing to avoid that? You know, Jay, I think that's something that I can really speak to from personal experience. And and we need to distinguish between um, a construction and permanent financing. So what you're saying is if I get construction money, mm-hmm. when that construction money has been all used up and we want to finalize and, and make permanent that financing, you know, what has happened between, you know, those 12 to 14 to 18 months on that person's credit, on that person's job, on that person's assets. So typically, if there are two separate transactions, construction money and permanent money, that customer really needs to pay attention to make sure that they look the same at the beginning and the end of that process. Okay. I don't want to go open up new accounts. I don't want to deplete my mm-hmm. assets. I don't want to change jobs in the middle unless I talk to my loan officer first. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that's important to know, Jay, if we're if we're in a normal conventional FHA financing loan amount, which these days it's recently gone up, six hundred and twenty-five thousand is that new conventional loan limit. A lot of people are building in that category. Right. If you're building and your loan amount comes out to six twenty-five or less, we have what's called a one-time close, where you only have to look at credit, income, assets one time. They release the construction money, and they make a permanent loan in one transaction. So if you're in that bucket in that category, that's something that you probably want to look into a one-time close product, and you don't have to worry about that gap and not making a change in 12 to 18 months. Brilliant. That's fantastic advice, brother. And that's the reason why you're on the show, because that is something I've not heard of myself. So that's wonderful. This show is a big supporter of veterans, Antonio. How does Turbo help veterans in purchasing their first home? Yeah, thank you, Jay. I think uh, obviously we uh, we give them the uh, the respect that they deserve, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for their service. And of course, you know one of the biggest benefits to buy on BA loans is the zero percent down. So mm. these guys benefit from that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's yeah, there are some things that need to happen to get this loan. Usually, it's pretty simple, uh, but at the end of the day, they have to have their entitlements ready. Right, that's one of the biggest things. Make sure that they have that form ready and available. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, proof that the rest is the same. Income, you know, assets, pretty much the same. Uh, but the biggest thing they can do is get that zero percent down, no down payment at all. Probably just get some of that money for cash to close or mm-hmm. you know uh, fees and those kind of things. Uh, but the good thing about VA is that we, even those loans, we can close them with one of our great partners probably in fifteen days. Wow. 
which is one of the reasons that this young man, Jason, called this company Turbo. Turbo, yeah. Uh, so we, we, I think we have, let me just throw five seconds more in here. You know, the, our processing team is one of the best. I mm -hmm. mean, we know the industry very well. These guys process loans in and out, and so they understand. And when there is a need for them to actually jump. Uh, so, yeah, so a great benefit for, for them is that we help them from beginning to end, 0% down. Okay. And Brad, what are some of the other programs that Turbo has that my listeners should know about? Yeah, thanks, Jay. So basically, I mean, we, we have structured our business where we don't turn away customers based on their credit score or, or income. Uh, we can usually find them a program, um, you know, that, that may work for their situation. So whether you have a self-employment income, you want to do bank statement loans, um, owner financing, um, you name it, um, commercial, we, we have it all. One of the things that impressed me about you guys is that you every you you can offer average monthly deposits as income verification. That that's huge. Great stuff here, uh, guys. Jason, where could people go to learn more about Turbo Loans? Very simple. Turbo-loans.com. Our main line is 214-530-2304. We'll connect you with a loan officer that's in your region. Um, and you can the great thing about Turbo Loans, if you go to turbo-loans.com, you can apply. And we can get you with a loan officer immediately. Wonderful. You guys have been a gem on the show today. Appreciate you being here. Folks, that wraps up another fantastic week. It's the first show of 2022. What a great way to get the year started. Come back next week for your next hour of Thrive Time.